As we strive, all of us, to interpret all of the atrocities that are taking place in our country right now, a few things are really starting to become very clear. First of all, our nation is clearly under attack by a domestic enemy. Secondly, our nation is still pretty highly polarized, but let's face it, because of the radical left assault with all its seeming craziness and its evil attacks on our children, our elderly, and let's face it, everyone in between, people are rapidly coming to their right minds, or so it seems. And thirdly, since medicine has been devastated, especially by the Affordable Care Act, which is a misnomer for Obamacare, and now organized medicine is operating fully under the government's control, nobody has faith in doctors or in pharmaceuticals or insurance companies any longer. In short, medicine is a completely broken system. American medicine has now succeeded in emulating the methods of the 1930s Nazi tactics that deceived the German nation. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise with your host, Dr. Steve Latulip. You know, we who dare to speak the truth in medicine somehow have to find a path forward if sound medical practice is to have a future. And that's what I'm going to be discussing today. Remember that only about half of all the doctors supported Hitler's genocide and his eugenics experimentations that included forced sterilization, euthanasia, and brutality beyond imagination. Now, today in America, we have about 85 to 90% of all doctors supporting the Fauci doctrine of fake medicine, biased research, medical mandates, and intentional population reduction by government-sponsored hospital protocols and poisonous injections. Now, Hitler would be very proud of America if he could see this evil that has now permeated our land. Despite all of our great medicine that we claim to have, all the great vaccines, the advanced surgical techniques, and the fountain of youth pursuits, if you'll call it that, Americans tend to be sicker now than ever before, both physically and mentally. In fact, compared to other countries, the United States ranks behind Japan, behind Australia, the United Kingdom, France, Spain, Austria, Taiwan, South Korea, and many other countries. If the quality of medical care continues to decline, as it has in the past few years, we may find ourselves at the bottom of the barrel. Despite this poor prognosis for American health, however, some doctors in America are not following the crowd and especially not following a government takeover of medicine that is completely haphazard and reckless. Today, I have joining me one such doctor who actually is turning the tide and is reclaiming quality medicine and he's doing it in a very revolutionary way. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Steve Lantier, a board-certified anesthesiologist who runs uh, the Oklahoma Surgery Center. Dr. Lantier graduated from Louisiana State University School of Medicine in 1986 
and he's been very active in medicine ever since. Thanks for the honor of having you with us today, Dr. Lentier. Welcome. Well, thank you, Dr. Latulip. It is an honor, for sure, to be with you today. I appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I think most people by now, I would think, uh, they are aware that medicine in America really has been shanghaied. Now, let's just get to a big question because everybody is wondering what possibly is the solution to this collapse of quality medicine in America? How do we fix it? Um, what would you have to say? <laughs> oh, uh, quite a bit. Um, so, you know, as you were giving your intro, you know, the first thing that just leapt out at me that's the burning question is the system is broken. So, do we fix it within or out of the system? So, do we participate or do we say, no, it's broken? Let's do something contrary. And, uh, and I think that's what you wanted to speak with me about today was the Surgery Center of Oklahoma and, and how we're doing that. And, um, you know, the talk that I just gave in Houston that uh, you and I met at, um, you know, I went through quite a long discussion about how our healthcare system is broken. And I went through health statistics, many of them, and there's barely you know, a, a disease that you can name that is not three to 10 times more prevalent than it was 70 years ago. So on the health front, we are doing a horrible job. And you mentioned some of the statistics, you know, how we're falling behind, you know, many of the other countries and spending many, 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 many times more than they are. Um, so then we touched on, uh, in my talk anyway, the economic of medicine and how that is just severely broken, how we are um, on an unsustainable path with what we're spending on medicine. And then uh, we, we discuss the morals, you know, and the immorality of the system. Um, so anyway, that was the backdrop of me then getting into, you know, what we're doing at the, the surgery center and how we have over 25 years kind of withdrawn as much as we possibly can um, from the system that you and I know is so diseased. Okay, so, so is this what you're telling me is that the solution, first of all, seems to be to break away from that broken system. Um, the, the system has become very centralized and it's almost like a political party or you might even call it a religion because the, the great majority of doctors are definitely corroborating with the narrative uh, such as with the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, response. And that response has been quite unfavorable in many ways. We know the harm that's happening to it, but um how in the world did we become so centralized? Did you see this happening uh, years ago, months ago, decades ago? Uh, and why is centralization bad for us? Well, my partner Keith Smith and I are probably a little different than the average doc in that we are super, super interested and have been for at least 30 years now into economics and economic histories. So, 
you know, that has given us a perspective that we've been able to plot a course with the surgery center, again, different from, uh, you know, a lot of other docs. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you 100% that centralization is, is the main um, detriment of, of all of it. So centralization, whether it's government or whether it's the big corporations, you know, taking control, and, um, you know, just as a, a I mean, a, a small backdrop into history, you know, the AMA was begun in 1849, you know, for instance. And, you know, the main reason for the AMA was to nationalize our doctors in this country. So instead of leaving them local and to their own devices, I mean, it was really trying to get us more centralized. And then, you know, then the late 1800s, um, you know, we're starting to see, um, you know, government corporations really beginning to merge. And I mean, in Europe, too, right, very, um, very powerful corporations like the Rockefeller Foundation in the United States and IG Farben, you know, which would at the time in Germany was the largest pharmaceutical company in the world. And um, again, already by 19, you know, 26, they were in 93 countries. Uh, again, they were the largest in the world, and with them, when they merged with the Rockefellers, for instance, um, they became this, um, uh, I mean, unbelievable centralized power that, um, I mean, they just completely took over medicine. And, and I know many of your listeners know about the Flexner Report in 1910 and how it, it completely was a, a, you know, Rockefeller and Carnegie's, you know, taking over you know, all of healthcare and making us learn medicine in a certain very pro-pharmaceutical way. Um, anyway, I mean, we could go through a lot of the centralized history, but I know there's not time on a podcast for all of that. But, but for the, you know, one of the mistakes that we make is thinking that the things that we are experiencing now is de novo, you know, that it came from nowhere. But no, you can follow these histories and you can follow the money. And if you always ask the question, you know, qui bono, you know, who benefited? Well, then you can really get to the answer of where it came from. So and anyway, and it, like I say, it would take a long time to go through that. But um, but knowing those characteristics of the centralization is, I think, what is key for your listeners, because when I talk about the surgery center, it's obvious that we are the antithesis of that. Well, I was very impressed with uh, what you described. And um, I think you definitely have a new vision. And uh, obviously, you have a new way of doing things. Or maybe it's not so new to you. I don't know exactly when you made uh, a transition to specifically oppose the centralization and to separate yourself from things like insurance companies and the big pharma influence. Um, but there's a lot of things that really destroy medicine and make it very hard for patients to even afford uh, medical care. And one of the things that I thought was most impressive um, about your whole process of setting up surgeries and advertising is transparency. And that is something that is absolutely absent in the current system. In fact, we know that a lot of patients who 
wanted to schedule, say, a, a knee surgery, an elective knee surgery, um, the cost can be just astronomical if it is to be done in a hospital versus a, an outside independent surgery center uh, like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Would you speak to the importance of that type of transparency? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that I try to make really clear, I mean, I'm really proud of what Dr. Smith and I have done, but um, but I'm really trying to be super clear that we were not starting out to be heroes or to buck the system. We just knew, you know, 25 years ago that we were frustrated. And the big hospital that we were working in was not the patient's friend. Um, they were, it wasn't quality of care. The prices were ridiculous. And so we knew that we had to do something. So where we are today is because of several, several, and over many years, little steps just moving in that direction. So we tell people, look, we are, this is not rocket science. This isn't new. We are just doing what we believe doctors were doing, you know, a hundred years ago, right? And focusing on, you know, the, the patients really. So again, nothing new for sure. Um, now the, the whole process did take time and there were a certain number of steps after we started the surgery center. Um, the only thing that I'll say that we did revolutionary at the very first was we decided that we would not take federal money. And a lot of people who didn't know us thought that we were being very greedy because they thought we didn't want to take care of the elderly. And that's why we wouldn't do Medicare and Medicaid. But, um, but obviously they, they didn't know what was in our hearts. I mean, they didn't know that we really, you know, were just wanting to do better and not be, um, uh, you, you know, just held down by all of the, the governmental regulations. So that, that was number one. But then you asked me about transparency. So the two things about the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, if you go to our website, so surgerycenterok.com, and you can do that right now, um, depending on if you're on desktop or on your mobile phone, um, you will you'll see these uh, avatars and you can press on a certain area of the body and you can get pricing for what we're doing and it is an all-inclusive price um, so it's the surgeon it's anesthesia it's uh, typically it's going to be the implants if we know what the implants going to be but sometimes like for instance on a on a shoulder reconstruction i mean you may not know if you need one or five implants so when we have to charge somebody a differing amount we um, we we charge them what it costs us you know, for the implant for instance so anyway we you can go onto our website and there oh gosh there's got to be over five or six hundred surgeries listed now and there's the price there's the and and just to know we came up with those prices um, in a cost plus way that every other thing that you buy on this earth is figured out. I mean, it's what it costs us to do it. Um, you know, what, uh, and then this, you know, we added a very small profit margin to that and we posted it online for everyone to see. So I really would like your listeners just go and peruse the website and see all the prices that they're there. So 
it's transparent and um, and again you and I know you you try to get that from a hospital you're gonna spend days and days and days and uh, still not end up getting the price that it's gonna cost but this is all-inclusive transparent pricing and the second part of that that's that's fascinating now consultants tell us that our prices are six to ten times less than the hospitals so one of my frustrations though is I tell people that and it's and it's true right but but people aren't really astounded that they're not they don't react. They don't recoil. They, they're not angry at it. And it's like we've been, we've just been put in this trance where we're, we're not really um, aggravated at what we should be aggravated about now. I mean, if I'm telling a person that I can do this for, you know, 600 or a thousand percent less than the hospitals, um, you would think anyway that they would be incredulous, but they're typically not. And and so here's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, gas prices have just gone up, what, 70 or 80 percent maybe or something like that. So, um, but medical costs are 600 to a, you know, to a thousand percent higher than they need to be. And people should be angry and recoiling and saying, look, I, we got to do something about this. But there's not not the anger. And and I, I anyway I would I would love to see a little more anger in this country. Okay, to be you know what I I think we need to address that issue because as I think about what you just said, why are people not getting angry when they are being so highly overcharged for these services? Um, the one thing that comes to mind is that I believe that a lot of people think, oh well, you know, it doesn't matter what the cost is because it's covered by my insurance. And therefore, it's not really an issue with me because, you know, I, I purchased this health insurance and I've got a deductible and maybe a copay. But, you know, it's still I would suspect that maybe they are thinking that they are still only going to pay such a small fraction of the cost that even though you might be charging six to ten times uh, less than the hospital, it might not be um, a big deal to them. It, yeah, I mean, when it comes to money out of their own pocket. So uh, I think it comes down to the question of comparing Obamacare, which remember was the Affordable Care Act versus the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which actually truly is affordable and sustainable, but which is more apt to succeed in the long run. Now, we know for a fact that Obamacare is anything but sustainable. You do not get to pick your doctors. I know for a fact that many medications that were deemed necessary were not provided to patients um, because it was not on their formulary. So um, could it be that you are battling this mindset of the insurance companies are going to take care of me? Well, that is absolutely part of it. Um, so, you know, just to underscore that a little bit, you, you know, right now, one of our fastest segments of growth is in the insured. Now, we take no insurance, but with deductibles climbing, you know, in the six to $10,000 range, well, you know, 90% of the stuff at the surgery center is under $4,000. 
total, okay, <laughs> again, total, surgeon, anesthesia, the, the whole shebang, right? So many people, if they're aware and awake, they are actually finding that uh, they can come to our place, have a procedure done, and not even meet, you know, their, their insurance deductible. I mean, be under that amount. So save money, um, even though they're insured. Right. So and, insurance uh, And I think, so, okay, so you're saying that there is a real gain for patients even, uh, even with their insurances because deductibles are getting higher and higher. The, the fact is patients are, are being scammed. And uh, what really caught my attention when you actually spoke uh, at the conference in Conroe, Texas, is that you mentioned that uh, there were a lot of people coming to your surgery center, even from out of state. They were being flown in. And that was a move that was opted uh, by the their um, their uh, employers who who were paying uh, out all the money to to give them insurance. Um, is that becoming more of a factor as well? That business owners are realizing that medical care is uh, just uncontrollably high right now. We have to go to a different system. Would you say yeah, that is that, a factor? Yes, absolutely. And you know, one of the one of the examples you know that I give to illustrate, and it and it's one of the extreme examples, but it's that you know the Alaska Teachers Union has a relationship with us, and so they find it economically feasible to send a teacher and a companion, all expenses paid to Oklahoma City to, you know, have, let's say, a gallbladder removed and uh, anyway, pay all the expenses, pay all of that, you know, get the patient back home, do all of that for less money than they would pay just to have the procedure done in Alaska. That's how, that's how broken our system is economically. It's, it's, it's horrendous. So, you know, given and the I, fact I, that, I, that people... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, you know, here you're saying that people are traveling from Alaska to Oklahoma uh, and all expenses paid uh, uh, by the employer. Uh, it tells us a couple of things. Number one, there is money to be saved for the one paying out for medical care. The second thing is that there's definitely a shortage of good quality medicine that is also affordable throughout the country. Um, I don't, are you aware of how many other centers in the United States operate in the same way that you do? So we, yeah. And, and part in, of my talk, I mean, we saw such a need to educate people around the country that my partner and a, and an owner of a local, honest, third-party administration company here in Oklahoma City founded an organization that I also encourage people to look up, and it's called the Free Market Medical Association, so FMMA. And the whole purpose of that organization is to get three groups of people together. Um, and I, so the first group are providers. So anyone, whether it's a pharmacist, a physician, a physical therapist, 
it doesn't matter. Anyone who provides health care of any sort uh, is one group. Businesses, we are typically saving millions of dollars. So businesses have a, a big advantage of joining the Free Market Medical Association. And then the liaison group is the third group. So they're typically the group that gets, you know, the providers and the businesses together. Um, so the, the provider and the users together. And so lots of times, whether you're a, a direct primary care doctor or whether you're a specialist, I mean, these, these uh, relationships are incredible and are priceless for people to have. So we saw the need and we just had uh, two weeks ago our um, annual conference in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And it was a sold out audience. Uh, we're thinking about needing a bigger venue next year. So these uh, are the real encouraging things that we're seeing that are just, uh, again, organically opening up around the country. So surgery centers, um, we are helping to teach them what we do, how we do it. And a lot of that is through the Free Market Medical Association. Well, it sounds very positive. Do you envision this type of medical practice spreading across America? I mean, is this free market medical association growing right now at this time? Well, it is growing. The conference is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and, and again, it's just opinion at this point. But, you know, I think the polarization of the Unaffordable Care Act um, and uh, other things, uh, you know, what's going on in this administration, um, you know, doctors are waking up slowly but surely. I know you gave a very bad statistic, about 85% of us uh, not are, are, are following the, the COVID narrative. Um, so that's disconcerting. But, you know, for the most part, we do see growth and we do see encouragement. Um, Anyway, and, and, and people are, because of the polarization, uh, saying, well, this can't be the right way, so what is right, and are looking for alternatives. Well, that sounds very exciting, and um, I think it does need to happen. Um, now, I was in primary care um, as a medical doctor, uh, and if I wanted to actually implement this type of practice, um, what obstacles would I actually face? I mean, what does it really take to plug into this kind of an efficient system and to make the conversion, the transformation from an insurance governed medical practice to a completely independent practice? And that, by the way, is uh, what is meant by direct patient care. It means that there is no middleman called the insurance company to actually make medical decisions on your behalf. Uh, but what are the obstacles that these doctors face, both as primary care docs and as specialists? Well, I think you even have to start before that, Steve. I think you have to say, well, wait, what is happening in medical school? So number one, we are conditioned in medical school that we have to practice a certain way um, like we have to become a hospital employee or, 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 you know, give national service or something like that. We also, you know, medical schools are just like all of the college systems. They're broken too. 
and uh, and so the amount of debt that the average medical student is getting out um, with is is mind-boggling so the average student is coming out in fear which is again the other thing for me is the biggest um, problem with doctors today is the amount of fear that they have um, you know going into practice so most people most you know doctors coming out of medical school and residency are looking for the easy easiest way out the the most secure way they're not looking to be entrepreneurs um, and then once you get out um, if you want to start your own practice you're in debt you got to start paying off your debt so you can't really take time to build up a practice um, so there, those are some of the main obstacles. And then the hospitals are, you know, buying, you know, practices up left and right. Um, insurance companies, again, are paying horribly. And in my talk, I went over a lot of the economics. Um, and one of the, the graphs that I show often is like over the last 50 years, you know, I, I think wages have increased like 16%. Um, the GDP has grown like 167% and medical expenditures are somewhere around 818% in the same amount of time. So, and, and, and in all of those statistics, doctor reimbursement is flat. It has not been going up. It is not the problem with this crisis that we're having. So, um, Anyway, those are the obstacles that I see, and I and, and again, I think most of them happen before we even get out. So, well, I agree. There's no doubt that the problem in training medical students nowadays is in crisis. For number one, uh, the, the number one reason is that they are not teaching uh, the appropriate things that a medical doctor needs. The critical thinking to be able to make medical decision-making on behalf of the patient. And of course, that is gone um, intentionally in a socialized medical system. And as you say, that's just the start of things. Uh, we're just gonna take a short break and then we'll be right back to discuss some really important issues about how we can clear a path for the future of sound medicine. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health. 
and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latulip and my guest, Dr. Steve Lantier. Uh, my podcast is heard um, at any time if you go to unitywithoutcompromise.com and there you can also read my weekly articles. Remember that this show airs at 12 p.m. Eastern Time with an encore at 5 p.m. on both Saturday and Sunday. And my goal, of course, is to unite all people based on truth, supported by facts, and with the intent of recruiting people to learn the truth so that they can live the truth and thereby defend the truth. And that's exactly what we need to do. Today, we have been discussing a path forward for doctors and for patients as well as we contend with a medical system that has gone completely corrupt. We were discussing some of the obstacles that get in the way of returning to a rational, sound, caring, concerning, and effective medical system. One of the biggest obstacles that we have mentioned is the training of new doctors. Um, in medical school nowadays, doctors are actually not required to take uh, gross anatomy, which in my mind is beyond comprehension. I've heard in other schools that they're getting rid of pathophysiology classes. So um, I think that the comment that you made, Dr. Lantier, uh, about uh, problems with efficiency and competence as medical doctors is becoming a real issue. But you must realize that it will only become a real issue for people who are actually not in the socialized medical system. Because if you belong to that system, they actually want you dummied down. They are selecting those type of medical students right now. And the fact is that a lot of people uh, that might otherwise have gone into medicine are too smart to go into medicine because they see the writing on the wall. And that is a tremendous problem. And if you don't get the proper fundamentals in medical school, how in the world are you going to get any form of decent training in residency when the system itself is completely uh, beleaguered by, by all of the pressures to conform, to do what the CEOs want, and literally to just make the hospital money. And that's a huge issue. And that is why I am so in favor of becoming independent. And I believe that Dr. Lantier is onto it and he's been onto it for a real long time. I'd like to shift gears a little bit right now and talk about actually some of the reasons why Americans might be getting sicker and more prone to disease. 
you know, everywhere we turn right now in the news, we're hearing of people who are having these sudden unexplainable illnesses and unexpected deaths. And of course, every time this happens, they seem to shuffle it under the rug if they can possibly do that. But sometimes, let's face it, they cannot. But when they can't hide it, then they will call it some kind of a mysterious event. Now, that just downright irks me because we don't have those kind of mysteries going on. It seems to me like a whole lot of people are getting sicker and dying younger for a very specific reason. So, Dr. Lantier, is this just a false perception of mine? Is it all in my head? Or do we actually have some solid proof that Americans are dying younger and becoming more prone to sickness and to disease? Well, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, and I, I believe this is correct, that in 2014, our longevity in the United States began decreasing. Um, and it has continued to go down. So everyone thinks that, you know, we're living longer, living longer. And compared to, you know, way back, that's true, but it, it's not. Um, we are starting to come down. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there is not a disease that you can name that's not three to 10 times more prevalent now than it was 70 years ago. And I show many, 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 many statistics to prove that that's true. That's not an opinion. So the question then is, well, what is the cause? Well, what we can say we know is not the cause is our genetics. And yet that's where a lot and most actually money is being spent in healthcare now. Um, but that's, that's not the issue. I mean, the issue is in our environment. And I don't mean to sound like an environmentalist wacko because I'm not in any sense of the word. But um, we are becoming toxic. And when you start looking at, you know, whether it's what we eat and so what we get in our, in our food, the bad stuff, and what we don't get in our food. Um, anyhow, th th this would be another uh, two podcasts uh, to, to go into a lot of that stuff. But people are getting sicker in the healthcare system. Uh, as I said at the, the beginning, has failed. We are not doing a very good job. Uh, we're not doing a very good job in agriculture. And I know I've talked to you a little bit uh, just as, as you and I were conversing about a, 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 a process that's called mob grazing with cattle. And it's to reproduce, you know, what we used to do um, or what bison used to do when they were traveling, you know, from the north to the south and south to the north. You know, twice a year they would go over a, a piece of property and they would not overgraze it. They would trample it. They would manure it and they would just keep moving. And then they would come back, you know, five months later and it would be green and pristine and nutritious and all of those good things. Well, anyway, I mean, yes, modern agriculture has has given us tons of food but at what cost? And uh, I, again, more people are waking up to those questions as well. So it sounds like this mob grazing that you're talking about is, is almost parallel to uh, like planting corn in the same field year after year after year, not rotating the crops. And, and when you do that, you deplete the essential nutrients that are needed for whatever plant you're growing. I think that is a huge factor um, other people are citing a lot of what's going on with regard to 
the COVID response, namely uh, the new viruses that are being produced, uh, the vaccine or the fake vaccine, I should say, uh, has been a big issue for a lot of people. Do you think that is also a contributing factor or is it all a bunch of hype or what? No, it, it, it's, it's not a bunch of hype. I mean, it, it, again, these, these are, these are facts, you know, these, these aren't opinions. And, um, but you know, I, I will jump back just because I, I know we have limited time and, you know, to me, the error again is centralization, right? We have centralized. So whether it's agriculture, pharmaceuticals, health insurance, you know, all of these things, instead of the doctors, you know, having control of their patients and having a relationship, a true kind of God-given relationship with their patients, um, we now the corporations have the relationships. And, uh, and that, that's what unites all of these topics. So again, whether I'm talking about ag or medicine or it doesn't matter. I mean, all of these topics are, 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 are susceptible to the to the same problem and um, anyway and and I know at the conference I, I introduced a word to a lot of people that's um, and and the word is subsidiarity um, and it's a it's actually the way that that I believe and I think Christians have believed for a long time that we're supposed to live life and you know that's essentially that you know it's essentially the closer that you are to a problem, you know, the better you'll know how to solve it. So um, the whole idea of subsidiarity is that you control things always, always at the at the most local level that you can control it and that you don't let the, the bigger, higher, you know, authority, you know, in when when they, they again they, they shouldn't have the say so is the bottom line okay so um we are better off to be independent i think that's what you're saying and to take control of things in our neck of the woods um does that mean uh, that we should never gather together and unite i mean uh, a lot of people have talked about unions for doctors just to avoid oppression. Is that something that do you think would work? Or is that something, of course, it's never been even an option in medicine because of our unique profession. I mean, our goal is to help patients any way we can. Why do we need a union to be able to do that? Um, but now it seems like, hey, you know what, maybe that's essential, or we have to have some way of protecting ourselves. Um, do we need to form some kind of a an independent practice network? Do you think, and is it possible to do that? It it is possible to do it, and you, you have to be a little careful. And I I actually would prefer the word guild because if you look at the difference between the guilds, like let's say in the Middle Ages, versus what the typical union has become. Um, anyway, the, the the guilds were a little different, and I would say absolutely far that. But, but again, you, you have to realize that local is better and there, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I think it's a mistake where people are getting too concerned because I'm getting calls like crazy now for people since this COVID thing, you know, about starting hospitals and starting surgery centers and look, that's great. But if you 
do that and you play by their game. So you go into debt. You do all of the mistakes that they're doing. You have investors that have to be paid, you know, with the healthcare dollar. Um, all of those things are going to just start ratcheting the costs up. So I, I am super careful about the bigger is better because I think that's a myth. So I'm not saying guilds or unions are, are bad at all, but I think we have to be super careful because at the core, if centralization is the issue, and I do believe it is, well then anti-centralization or subsidiarity is the solution. And we do that as physicians anyway, on a person by person mission. And that's called the doctor-patient relationship. So I, that's just my heartfelt passion and belief that that's how you cure it is a patient at a time. Okay, well, it makes sense. Uh, it is common sense. And, you know, I think every doctor who is actually functioning in a proper way, in such a way that we can maintain a faithfulness to our oath as physicians, we have to function independently. Um, I think there's no other way. But look at what has happened in the recent decade uh, to all those independent physicians. There are very few of us left uh, who have uh, not been taken out or absorbed into the, uh, the system of slavery to CEOs and to big business medicine. Um, now, it's very clear to most of us that we literally are under attack by a government that is out to terrorize us and to destroy anyone in their path. Now, as I see it, uh, you specifically, Dr. Lanche, is a, uh, is, uh, you're just a potential big target in the sites of organized medicine, are you not? I mean, does this concern you at all? Or do you think they would actually come after you in such a way that they would try to shut you down? Well, they have many times before, and typically because they have the legislatures, they, um, they, that is the, their main weapon. Um, we have avoided it, and one of the ways that we've avoided it is um, we've not been very polemical. Uh, we, you know, we just say, look, we've got a better product at a lesser price. Um, what do you want to argue about? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Better for less? Come on, what you know? What, what do you want to? What do you want to discuss here? So that's one of the ways that we've managed it. But the other way, again, specifically about government, is now that a lot of municipalities have actually signed up with us and are taking advantage of what we do. Um, we've had less pressure from the government entities, even though they're getting pressure you know, from the insurance industry and, uh, you know, for us, again, it's more the insurance industry than it is, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. Sure. But um, so anyway, those are a couple of ways that, that we've avoided some of it. And because we're, again, because we're not playing their game, um, you know, we, we, you know, we don't subscribe to CMS. So we don't subscribe to any of their rules. Now, as individuals, I mean, you know, we have to keep up our licenses and all of those governmental things. So we're we're not pure, but uh, but we've avoided, you know, a lot of the the pitfalls that a lot of other people have not been able to avoid. Are you uh, finding it kind of an easy time keeping your surgical facility 
uh, well-staffed? In other words, are there people that are eager to join you because of the system that they would be working under? Um, we have hired so many new nurses that did not want to be vaccinated. Um, and also, you know, that they just didn't, um, know, Anyway, I, I hate to say too much about the mask thing, but because I know people have differing opinions, but but you know that that we were reasonable about all of our uh, all of the things that we did, and we looked to science anytime. Um, you know, there was something. Well, should we or shouldn't we wear masks? Or anyway, and and we looked to the best possible science and made decisions uh, based on what we could find. And you know, again, that's not to say that there weren't people who disagree or whatever, but, um, but our, our employees are like family and we think they're the best in, um, the world. I mean, <laughs> they're awesome and, uh, we treat them like human beings and they love where they work and most of them would never want to go anywhere else. So our, I mean, it's, it, we're finding it actually a little easier to hire people recently. Well, I might just expect to hear that. Now, you know, just uh, thinking like a patient, if I were to require a surgery, uh, removing a gallbladder and appendix or, or whatever, and I had the opportunity and availability to show up at your uh, surgery center doors, um, the first thing I'd be asking myself is, how am I going to be treated? Because, you know, we're seeing a lot of hostility in um, in clinics that are owned by hospitals. Uh, it seems like as soon as you walk through the door, the question is, uh, do I have to wear a mask or not? And yes, we do know what the science shows clearly regarding the mask, and it is not uh, good with regard to being any viral barrier. But, you know, the patient... Uh, comes to the door and wonders, am I going to be forced to wear a mask? And am I going to be questioned about whether I or not I have received the COVID vaccine or how many of the series did I get? Um, in other words, uh, what do you do specifically to try and regain the trust that has been lost and which is so essential to a healthy doctor-patient uh, relationship? Uh, even things like patient confidentiality. I mean, Patients, that seems to not exist anymore. Do you, what do you do to alleviate the fears of patients coming to your center? Oh my, you just asked a mouthful. <laughs> okay. So, you know, number one, you know, we don't do electronic medical records because we don't do government medicine. We don't have to, and we decline. We, because we know once it's digitalized, um, that it's it's out there on on you know in in the web. So anyway, that that's one thing, and most of our patients know that about us. And we've actually even battled uh, the government on on that issue before. But um, so you know, I think it starts with the phone call or the internet. When people, you know, they pretty much go straight to my partner, you know, Dr. Smith, and if they have a request for, it, again, doesn't matter, I mean, a gallbladder or a torn rotator cuff or a hysterectomy or, uh, again, you, you name the surgery, um, typically we put them in touch with the surgeon that minute and then within the day, typically our, our patients get called that day by the surgeon, which you just think, you know, at the typical hospital, oh, well, I'll see you in, you know, three months, or maybe that's an exaggeration. But, but immediately these people go, wow, the doctor called me, not a PA, you know, not a whatever. And they called and they really cared. And they wanted to know what was going on with me. So 
that starts setting it up and then when the patient finally gets to Oklahoma City and they walk through the door and they see the smiling faces and and it sounds braggadocious and I'm sorry but I am proud of our people um, everybody that's at our place loves what they're doing and anyway I mean our evaluations are off the chart and I, when we hear other things it it frankly is concerning because all we hear is like you just said I mean it is is the negative so um, and again I do the evaluations you know every month I, I scan through them and I mean they're they're 99 percent you know positive I mean we rarely have a complaint so um, and then I guess you asked about trust I mean the one other thing that trust and that that helps um, you know my partner and I get out of bed every morning um, is is and 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 w again with smiles on our faces is because you know we know that these businesses that we're helping to serve they trust us and we have become like co-fiduciaries of their health plan i mean they know that if they send the patient you know one of their employees to us that um the, an unnecessary surgery won't be done and that if the surgery is needed, they are going to be, I mean, completely well taken care of. So, um, and, and again, with a, I mean, our, our, um, our complication rate is, is virtually zero. I mean, it's, uh, anyway, I mean, I, again, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm, I know I'm sound like I'm bragging now, but I'm, no, I'm really proud. Good. And, and it sounds like you actually have a uh, reason to brag. And that's a good thing. That's called being uh uh, having pride of ownership, pride of in your work, and that is something that is grossly lacking uh, in so many aspects of America right now that it's it's very discouraging. So let me ask you this, Doctor Lantier: If there was one thing that every American citizen could actually do right now to oppose the current oppression that we face from a government-run medical system, what advice would you give? Them? Okay, based on. Um, this, so I, I, I think that it's a matter of historical fact, right, that countries don't do well um, when certain things happen. And, you know, I'll just mention quickly three of those things. So when government takes over health care, and we can look to, you know, von Bismarck in Germany in the 1880s, you know, when they completely socialized medicine and then we know what Germany fell into, you know, shortly thereafter economically and everything. Um, and then, you know, when you destroy the currency, that's the second thing. And we're in the process of doing that. And then uh, the, the third thing that you and I agree on is, is when they confiscate your firearms. So, you know, with those three things in, in mind, if, if there's one thing Again, now applying it to healthcare, right? That I'm, you know, going to ask people to do, and it's practical, is don't use the bad guys. I mean, and again, if you're a business and you're subscribing to one of the BUCAs, we call them Blue Cross United, Cigna, or Aetna, I mean, you're you're part of the problem. Um, you know, if you're an individual, then look for those people like yourself and the Surgery Center of Oklahoma and, you know, direct primary care doctors who aren't employees and who aren't being compensated, you know, by, um, you know, really bad models. Um, you know, they're compensated by keeping you into a model that is going to abuse you. Um, right. 
So in short, you're, you're just saying don't feed the enemy. And I think that's incredible advice. It really is. Go to your employer, go to whoever's funding your insurance system and talk to them about some common sense changes that need to be made. Well, we're about out of time. Dr. Steve Lantier, I thank you so much for your insights and your viewpoints, and as well as what you're doing to make American medicine what it is actually supposed to be, and that's providing quality care to patients. I thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom being with us today. And could you give us uh, your handle uh, if people want to reach you with questions or comments, where would they go? Okay, so surgerycenterok.com is our um, is our website, and uh, my email address is either on there, but it's s lantier l a n t i e r um, at surgerycenterok.com, and I'd be happy to field any questions anytime. We've got it. S l a n t i e r at surgerycenterok.com. You've heard it, folks. Please make a change. Uh, One thing we have to realize that we are in very dire times in America. As Dr. Steve Lantier has already demonstrated, participation in a corrupt system is always optional. You have always a choice, both as a doctor and as a patient. And in that sense, we all can decide to continue either on that path to the pig pen or the slaughterhouse by following the wokeness that infiltrates our society, or we can choose our own path. And how novel is that? Well, as for me, I'd rather stay on the straight and narrow. And that means actually doing things God's way, because all truth is God's truth. And as a nation, if we want good health and good being, well-being, we need to follow God's guidelines for that. We don't rationalize anything in any way that involves destruction of our children or harming our adults, harming the working class. We don't comply with unconstitutional mandates that are designed to intentionally to harm us. That's counterproductive. We don't buy into the blatant propaganda that only induces fear and confusion. And we must oppose all forms of tyranny. We protect our own and we simply live to make man free. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my guest, Dr. Steve Lantier. This week, I pray that you'll do your best. Until next week, adieu.